You excited, Chase? All right. Oh, yeah, age uh, three to, to third grade. It can go if you want to. Age third grade and up, if you got a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 33. <clears throat> Everybody remember what I preached last week? Some of you wasn't here, you need to go back and catch up if you can. You know, I think worship was... I think it was pretty good this morning. I think it could be phenomenal. I think the key to that is everybody in this room seeing the glory of God, and that's what I want to preach on this morning. You know, Exodus chapter 33, last week we talked about living a life in the glory of the Lord, referring to Moses, how he he saw the glory of the Lord, and it radiated on him and through him, radically changed his life people around him saw it you know the bible teaches about how we're the light of the world we're to let our light shine it's talking about the glory of god in our lives <clears throat> before we uh before we get into it you know i'm gonna ask you to stand y'all stand let's honor god's word so you just gotta sit down good stand again get that blood going all right exodus chapter 33 verse 7 says moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. Each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, he did not depart from the tabernacle. Young be seated. When we talk about the glory of the Lord in your life, God's glory is a reference to His power and His presence transferred into the life of of a seeking believer, a person who is seeking to see God's glory. You know, God doesn't put on a circus show, you know, and just go around and try to force Himself on Him, but, but God's presence and His power and His glory and all that His presence brings is available, just like it says to the, in the Scripture here, available to everyone who will seek the Lord and desires to see that in their life. You know, God's glory is seen in, in basically three ways. It's through life transformation. You know, one of the, one of the key things of God's glory is the Spirit of God. You know, that's the glory of the Lord. We see in the Old Testament how the, how the glory of the Lord entered into the temple. It's a picture of God's Spirit in a believer. Our body now is the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're a born-again believer. And so God's Spirit in you produces life transformation. If you're here and you say, I've been born again. i got God's Spirit inside of me. You know, you ought to be seeing a life transformation. Powerful life transformation. You know, your worship goes from being quiet to at least a grunt over a 15-year period. Amen. 
And so God wants to transform you and mold you into the image of Christ. If you're a believer, you desire that. You want to be more like Jesus. The second way is through his presence. He, he manifests his glory through his presence. And what I mean by that is that you begin to see in your life what only God can produce. If you're not looking for the glory of the Lord in your life, what you're looking for is what you can produce. What you can produce in your marriage, what you can produce in your, in your, you know, your inward man and your attitudes and your overcoming things and what you can produce with raising kids and what you can produce in your worship and every area. What I want to see is I want to see God's glory in my life. I want to see what God can produce in every area of my life. And then you see God's goodness, which includes His blessing and His favor. And you know, here's the thing. When God's glory, when you walk in God's glory in your life, His presence and His power, not only do you see and receive God's blessing in your life, but you, like Abraham, you become a blessing. You begin to be a blessing to everyone that's around you, and God works in and through you. So the ways that God manifests His glory, those those ways, one of the, one of the things I do want to point out before I get into this is I think the greatest manifestation of God's glory is Jesus. You know, it says in John chapter 1, it said, we, we beheld him. We beheld his glory. And, and the greatest manifestation of God's power and his presence, you know, uh, if, if we'll, and we'll look at it in the next couple of weeks, when, when Moses uh, was there and God was going to pass by him, you know, we read it last week, God said, I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock. I'm going to cover you with my hand as I pass by because no man can see my face and live. He said, but I'm going to pass by and I'll let you see my hinder parts. And he declared, the Lord, the Lord God. And the, the main thing that God, God exalted was his goodness. And he talked about his goodness and his mercy and his long-suffering, his forgiveness for thousand generations. And everything that you look at in, in uh, Exodus 34, with the next chapter where God passes by, all of the things that God exalts there, exalts the work that Jesus did on the cross. So when you talk about God's glory in your life, what you're talking about is the manifestation of the power of the cross of Jesus, you know, in your life, <clears throat> and how Christ came. And we'll talk about some things here in a minute, but, but I was thinking today, you know, we think about miracles, and we serve a God who, who does miracles, and he does wonders, and all these different things. If you don't serve that God, you're not serving the God of the Bible. But, but he does these things. But the greatest miracle that God can ever produce is to take a person who was dead in the trespasses of sin, no, no spiritual heartbeat whatsoever, blinded in sin, and Jesus, by his love and his grace, made a way to raise you to life, to wash you, and to declare you holy in his presence, blameless in his love, transfer you from the pit of hell to the glory of heaven. That's a miracle, all right? And so in that, I hope and pray that everybody here has experienced that in your life, in the presence and the power of God through the cross of Jesus, because that's the message of his glory. And <clears throat> I just want you to think for just a second when I ask you this question. So what is the message of the cross producing in your life? If God's glory and living in God's glory is seeing what only he can produce... And the message of the cross is the ultimate picture and the, and the gift of God's glory. Then what is that producing in your life? Because the message of the cross still, it, it, number one, it produces life. And it produces a lot of things in life. Don't forget this. You remember this. When Moses, um, back in, in Exodus chapter 3, remember Moses started off as a prince and um, 
the way God worked in his life. He was raised in Egypt, and the next thing you know, uh, he, he steps out of God's will. He's trying to accomplish God's will by what he can produce. He murders a man, uh, and he takes off running, and he goes, and he ends up out in the wilderness for years and years, 40 years in the wilderness. And right there is where God taught Moses how to trust in him and to wait on him and to do things his way. And you'll remember one day towards the end of that time period there, Moses was watching sheep. He was just a, he just had a mundane shepherd's life. Walk with the sheep, live in the fields, look at the sheep, nothing great. But one day, and remember where it was, we'll, we'll get to this next week. It was on the back, the Bible says on the back side of the desert. He was out there all alone on the backside of the desert. Nobody talked to other than sheep. And you remember it said that there was a bush burning. He saw a bush on fire. It was burning, and yet it was not consumed. And he said, I will step aside. We're going to get into this. I will step aside and see this sight, what it is. And it said, when Moses stepped aside, that the Lord spoke to him out of the bush and called him. And right there... He said, take off your shoes for your own holy ground in the presence of the Lord. And right there was where one of the greatest transformations of Moses' life took place because the bush was burning, that fire, you know, spread into Moses' life. That was his call of God, and God met with him and spoke here. Listen to me. In the New Testament, tree is still speaking. It's called the cross of Jesus Christ. The fire is still burning, and when people step aside from this world and you step into the presence of the Lord, the Lord is watching. The Bible says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is wholly given to him. And so when I in my life refuse to live the mundane life that the world and that most churches are presenting. And I say, you know what, I think there's more to God than this. And I think that I don't know everything about God. And all of a sudden I choose to step out of that confirmation. Not, do not be conformed by this world. And I'm looking for a transformation. When I move in God's direction, like he says here, when I decide to seek the Lord, I step out of the camp, God speaks. And the fire still consumes us. Amen. It's consumed six of, six of us here. And so the rest of you, I got a lot of hope for this morning. So through Jesus Christ, God manifests his glory. And let me say this. God is still redeeming. He's still renewing. He's still reviving. And I think that's one of the things that I really want to get across to you this morning. If I just get across one point, you know, in the Bible, we see and we read stories of lives that's just radically changed. One of them being Moses, one of them being Abraham, all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. If you look at the God of the Bible, okay, we're just going to go by what the Bible says this morning. You see a God, if you just read it, nobody preached to you, you wasn't raised in, in a church, and you didn't hear all the thoughts, if you was on an island, you read this book, you would be like, wow, the God of this book has radically involved himself in people's lives, changed them, altered them, altered the course of history. Multitudes of people, you would also see people who are healed of every sickness and disease. I'm going to touch on some things going to twinge a lot of traditional stuff here this morning. I hope it does. I hope it shakes you so bad that you'll actually wake up. But but when you see this, you know, in Jesus, the God of the Bible, when you see Jesus here in his ministry, 
it says that, that he sat there, one, one scripture says he sat there in the evening time and the people came to him, the multitudes that said, and they were all of them, not just churchgoers, all of them were healed of every kind of disease, sickness and every disease. You see a God who works miracles and wonders, you know, and I, I know I'll probably, you probably won't say nothing, but you'll say something about me after this message, and that's okay. Because I'm beyond that at this point. But but remember in Acts chapter 4, and I, I've been close to it, but I had never experienced it. But in Acts chapter 4, you know, you see a church there who, when they get together and they pray. They were praying in Acts chapter 4 and it says, and the place was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went out preaching. It doesn't say they fell around, flipped around. said, and they went out preaching the word of God everywhere they went. There was a shaking in that place. You go, wow, that must have been amazing to see life transformation. Wow, that must be amazing to see, you know, God heal people. And that must have been amazing to see those kind of wonders and miracles. And you see a God who moves greatly, reviving people, transforming entire nations. When the early church went out, they crushed the Roman Empire because of their, because of the glory of God in their life in that. You see prayers powerfully answered. And here's the thing. You, a lot of people say, you know, I know God, I want to read the book. God used to do that. I want to say, he still does. You understand, he still is. Here's the point I want to make. If I'm going to live in the glory of God, I have to believe that God is and that there's way more to God than what I've known or experienced. Did you hear me? If I am going to live in the glory of God, I have to believe that God is. Now, in Hebrews eleven six, it says this. Without faith, it is impossible to, to please God. For those who come to God, those who seek God, those who come to God must believe what? That He is. And that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Does it say we have to believe that God exists and that God blesses people who show up at church for a little period of time and go on about their way? It says we have to believe that He is. He is what? We have to believe that God is good, that God is love, that God is powerfully able, that God is still working and willing, that He is more than you and I and anybody else can comprehend. You remember what it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20? It says, Now unto Him... Who is what? Able to do what? To do more above all that I can ask or think, ask or imagine. When you're, when you pray, and a lot of this, you can, you can look what you believe. You can, you can tell people what you believe and that kind of stuff, alright? But you really know what you believe by your prayer life. If you want to know where you're at in your faith, look at your prayer life. If you've got that weak prayer life, you've got a weak faith. If you've got a little prayer life, you've got a little faith. If you don't ask for big things, because you serve a little God. You understand? Because the Bible, the God of the Bible says, I can do more way above, way above anything that you could ask or even conceive in your mind. You can't even imagine how great that I am and what I can do. And when we begin to believe, if you just dare to believe, and I know what some people think, what happens if he doesn't? You know what? Doesn't change it if you don't ask. Now, God's will is not everything we ask, but, but and, and I'll get to this in a few weeks. The closer that we move to the Lord, like I talk about that, the more you press, the more like Moses, where you want to see God, the more you see God, the more you're transformed by God, the more you have the will of God in your heart, the more you pray the will of God, the more you see your prayers answered in power. Okay? But here's the thing. Why not ask? 
I heard a song that uh, I won't tell you what it was because I don't want everybody listening to it. But I heard a song. It was live this week, and it was in a church service. And I don't necessarily agree with everything, but um, you're going to know the song when I start telling you what it is. And you're going to be listening to it. I don't agree with everything that this church stands for. <clears throat> but it was a song, and uh, and uh, it's, it's an awesome song. I'll just tell you. Uh, part of the song says, don't tell me he can't. Don't tell me he can't. So oh, i got to hear that song. Brandon Lake, look it up. All right, listen to it and deal with it. All right, but I was listening to it. And I'll be honest with you, there was, there was, in that service, there was one thing necessarily I totally disagree with. One of the things he was praying about was talking about, I've seen cancer uh, healed. I've seen metal plates dissolved. I've seen, in the, in the song, he's singing these things. And in my, in my, I was raised independent Baptist, staunch. And, and, and that kind of stuff, and, you know, God don't do that stuff no more, blah, blah, blah. What God does is he makes sure you cut your hair right, that you dress right, that you sit right, that you shut up right, and that you listen to the man talking because he's the only one who's holy. That's what I learned in my specific church, okay? So you shouldn't say that. Oh, yeah, I should. And I also want to say this, okay, for, for people here and you're like, staunch Baptist, let me say this. You know, I'm Baptist, and I, and I agree with a lot of Baptist stuff, but I just want to clarify this. One of the greatest heresies ever preached has been preached in the Baptist church. When I was a kid and I was taught to, if you'll just walk down the aisle, pray this little prayer, repeat it out of the pastor, you're going to heaven, you're good to go. That is godless heresy is what that is. You understand? That's not the gospel of Jesus according to the scripture. So in that, what I did, and I'm not saying all Baptist preached that, but the one I was involved with, but, but anyhow, um, so I'm listening to this song, and it's talking about all these miracles and stuff. And, and in my mind, I started kind of wrestling. I'm going, you know, I don't, know I don't agree with that. And, and God's spirit, you know, in my spirit, he spoke to me like, what, what do you not agree with? Why, why would you not ask, if somebody has cancer, why would you not ask that I can radically just totally remove it? I don't, I don't need treatment. I don't need a doctor's help if I don't want it. He uses it at times, but he doesn't need it. Do you not, preacher, do you not believe that I can do miracles? You know, and, and one part talks about resurrection. I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, here we go off in that stuff. And then I thought, here's where I'm at. I don't care if anybody agrees with me or not. This is what I do know. I do know God heals. I've witnessed that multiple times, okay? But this is what I, I know. If one of my kids or one of my grandbabies fell over dead or was in an accident and dead and I was there, do you think I would not cry out to God and ask God to raise that baby up? I would. I would at least dare to believe to go, God, I know you can raise the dead. I know that makes some of you uncomfortable, but that's the God of the Scripture, and that's the God that I serve, and I want my prayers to match the Scripture. I don't want to stand before the Lord, because here's the thing. If you don't believe, I'll challenge you with this. If you do not believe that God can save, if you do not believe that God can do miracles and wonders, if you don't believe God can heal any and every disease, if you don't believe that God can change any and every situation, why in the world would you pray? Because all you need is what you can produce. I'm asking for what I cannot produce to a God who can produce anything he chooses to produce according to his will and his plan. That's what I want to appeal to. Now, if that sets you off, here's my thing. I go, what is prayer for if it's not asking for a miracle? Even when you ask God, please save somebody, salvation is a miracle that only God can produce. And so if he can produce that, which is the greatest miracle, anything else but all that God can produce. Understand that salvation is a greater miracle than a person who is healed from cancer. Because that person is still going to die. The person who's saved will never die. And so I just I didn't want to shake you. And so after I listened to that song a little more, I was like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just whatever you want to do. But, 
but here's the thing that, and as I study is going along my study, you got to believe that God is, that he is a healer. You know, I have a lot of people call me. I have a lot of people call me and go, hey, so-and-so is in the hospital. Will you pray for him? Now, let me ask you, if you don't believe this, let me ask you, what do you want me to pray? God, I pray that you would help them as they're dying. I don't pray for you like that, I promise you. God, I pray that you just give them strength as they watch their family suffer away. Lord, I pray that you would just help them while they're waiting on, you know, to get sicker. Do you pray that way? I don't. When you ask, when you ask me, hey, preacher, will you pray for me? I, I, me and my wife pray. We pray, God. You know, there's a lady in this church right now. She's suffering from stage four cancer. I don't go, Lord, help them as they go through this struggle until she's with you. I'm like, Lord, in the name of Jesus, by the authority of the resurrection, not by what I say, but by who you are, radically remove that from her body. If it's your will and if it's not, give her the grace and the glory in her life so strong that she can go through this and shine until she stands before you in glory. That's my prayer. You know, you pray what you want to, but if you look in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, you're not know, turned there, but when John's speaking of Jesus, he said, Grace and peace be unto you from, from Jesus Christ, who was, who is, and who is to come. He was. He was a healer. He was a savior. He was a, a God who gives life. He was a God who works miracles. He is. And I believe he is. And you know what? There's more to come. There's more to come. And so in that, I challenge you and I I dare you this morning to extend your faith by extending your view. If your prayer is small and your faith is small, you have a small view of God, very small view. But when you are in a place, I mean, honestly, do you think when Moses was there on the mountain and the Lord passed, it said his skin was shining. The glory of the Lord was so strong in his life, his, his face was shining. They had to cover him up. Do you think that if the Lord said, ask anything you want? And this is an example of what I'm talking about, asking. You know, when the Lord basically was asked, telling him, you know, ask whatever you want, Moses didn't say, hey, I'd like to have a million bucks. You know what that is? It's called the glory of the world. When I talk about being in God's glory, I'm not talking about the glory of the world. Remember, Satan took Jesus up on the mountain, and he said, he showed him the kingdoms of this world. In a moment of time, he said, all of this and their glory, their glory I can give you if you'll bow down and worship me. You want to know why a lot of church folk aren't seeing the glory of God? Because they're bowing down, seeing the glory of the kingdom of the world. That's a good spit right there. I'm talking about something that that doesn't compare to. Moses said, show, show me your glory. If the Lord would have said, ask what you want. If, if, do you think if there was somebody sick, Moses would have went, Lord, you know, I just, I just hope you can, you know, be with them until they die. Lord, you know, what's the point of praying? You're going to do what you're going to do. And that's the way a lot of people think. Like, standing in the glory of the Lord will radically transform your prayer life where you go, I'm going to ask something that most people think I'm absolutely insane for asking. Will God cause, when you stand before the Lord, I would rather be standing there with Willie Williams because I know what's going to happen. I'd rather be standing here with Willie and him going, you two got way out of control. Look at some of these audacious prayers that y'all ask. Rather than being with the group over here is like, you didn't ask nothing. You didn't see nothing. You didn't do nothing. You didn't ask nothing. You didn't experience nothing. By the grace of God, you're here. You understand what I'm saying? I'd rather him go, y'all got way carried away than you didn't do nothing. You didn't seek nothing. And so, you know, if you're here and you're so like, I'd like to see the glory of God in my life. Get on board. But here's the thing. Let me touch on this and I'll be done. If you're not seeing and experiencing 
the glory of God in your life and you're not, you're not a witness of some of those things. And, and honestly, I could go on this morning, you know, and just I won't but tell you stories and go, all right, because I'm with that song. Don't tell me he can't. I know. I've seen. I know what I've witnessed and not just seen in my eyes, but witnessed in my own life. But here, here's the problem with a lot of people go, oh, I don't see all that. Well, look in verse 7. Look in verse 7, Exodus 33. It says, Moses took his tent and he pitched it. That's where he pitched his tent, outside the camp, far, far from the camp. And he called the tabernacle of meetings where him and the Lord meet him and anybody. It came to pass everyone, whoever, whosoever, sought the Lord, went out, went out from where? Went out from the camp to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside of the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out of the tabernacle that all the people rose Notice it doesn't say anybody else went out to there except Joshua. Moses and Joshua went out there, but it doesn't say anybody else ever went out there. Where did they do? It said that they came to pass and Moses entered the tabernacle. The, uh, wait a second, got to back up. Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose. Each man stood in his tent door, watched Moses until he had gone to the tabernacle. Almost sound like an average church service. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended, stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Moses didn't do a whole lot of talking. And all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle door. All the people rose and worshipped. Each man where at? In his tent door. We'll just keep our place. We'll just stay where we're at, Moses. You go see the glory of the Lord and tell us about it. <coughs> he went outside the camp. Why? Because the camp was full of worldly, flaky idol worshippers. That's where the camp was. You read the, read the previous day. The camp was full of worldly, flaky idol worshipers. Churches everywhere are full of worldly, flaky idol worshipers. If that don't apply to you, then, then let it pass over you. Everyone was invited who saw it. Moses went out. Joshua went out. The Lord met, spoke, and he showed his glory. The Lord is still meeting, speaking, and showing his glory to people who will go out of the camp. The problem when people go, I don't see that. I haven't heard that. What are you talking about? God speaking, all this and that. God didn't come in the camp. You know what happens when God comes into the camp of worldly, flaky, out of worship? He says it in the verse 4. I will not come in amongst you. Why? Because I will destroy you in a moment. That's what it says. Read it for yourself. And I know what some people say. Well, the Lord's with me everywhere. Doesn't mean he's speaking, working, or showing his glory. It means you're carrying in places he'd rather not be. It's called quenching the Holy Spirit. People in the camp missed it. Now, now understand this. They were seeing something from a distance. Form of it. Wow, you see that? They're looking at this. Hey, hey, Joe. Next door, look at it. Take a break from your drinking. Look outside. Yeah, you're not drunk. Look. Lord, glory to the Lord over there. Man, I see something like that. I heard about that before. You know, there's, there's, there's people who keep their distance. And some of you in your distant past, your distant past, you've seen the glory of the Lord. You always go back to what you... Oh, yeah, I remember... Man, I remember 25 years ago. Man, you remember, brother, 25 years ago we saw the Lord? We saw the Lord. But right now I'm in the camp. Right now I'm the comfort of my world. And, and a lot of people see Moses. That's why people love to read books. I'm not against reading books. I read books. Books are great testimony. Books are great encouragement. Books are inspirational. When you look at the lives of other believers and see what they're doing. It stirs you up. But listen to me. You can read book after book. I know people who just read book after book after book after book after book. And like, man, did you hear what God did in this person? Like, man, did you read this book? Did you hear that? See what God did in this book? And what this book like? What about you? What would you say if you wrote a book? What would I say if I wrote? What does my book have in it that inspires? What does my book have in it that causes somebody to seek the Lord? What is my? What would I write about my experiences with the Lord and what God's done in my life? 
Most people want to live off of Moses. And the Lord's like, hey, if you want to see my glory, you come out too. I'll show you just like I showed Moses. You know, the camp, and I'm almost done. I've got about five minutes. You know, the camp is the camp of the world. A lot of people go, I want to, you know, and I know we're in the world. You know, you remember that you got the sticker, not of this world. I know we're in the world, but we're not like the world. We're not of the world. We're not camping with the world. If you are, that's why you're not seeing the glory of the Lord. Because the Lord, the Bible actually says, what fellowship has lied with darkness? First John chapter 1 says, if you say you know him and you walk in darkness, you're lying. You don't have fellowship with God living in darkness and walking in darkness. It actually says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Come out of the camp of the world. Quit seeking the things of the world, chasing the things of the world, living with the attitudes of the world, having the desires of the world, because I'm not going to show you my glory while you're living in the camp of the world. Then you got the camp of naysayers. Some of those probably here this morning. What are they? They're more, in, they're more interested in what God doesn't do, what God's not doing, rather than looking to go, I want to see what God will do. Let me keep you under control, preacher. I know it's not going to happen in this church, but I've pastored churches where I would have had a long meeting after this preaching about all these people who would have wanted to make sure that I understood the ABA rules about how God does not this, God does not that. And I would say, your life verifies that, doesn't it? Because he's not doing anything in you or through you whatsoever. You know what God does in your view? He comes in and he departs it in a pew. He listens to somebody that they disagree with and they go out and talk about them while they're eating their lunch and they go back to their worldly lives. That's what God does in the view of a lot of people because they're so concerned about what God does not do. And if all you focus on is what God does not do, he will never do anything in your life. And then you've got the camp of the controlled church. And that's a lot of churches to where we go, you know what? We just want to make sure. We got these lines, and we don't step outside those lines. The, here's, there are some boundaries. Those boundaries are the Word of God, the teaching of the Word of God. I am bent like a fool to stick with the Word of God one way or the other. But there are some churches who want to make sure we control, and this is what happened to the church a long time ago. You know, you had some other denominations who went outside of the boundaries of God's Word. Coming up with their own doctrines, the doctrines of devils, the doctrines of men. They incorporated part of the truth into a big old lie. And what the true church said was, we don't want to be identified with those people. So what we're going to do is we're going to just tone this down, make sure anything that they are attached to, we're detached from. Well, you detach from the truth. And we're going to make sure that we control the environment, what's said, what's not said, what's done, what's not done. We're taking the control out of the Holy Spirit. And we, the people, by the, by the, by the amount of votes, we're going to choose what's done in our little church. And those little churches are disappearing off the face of the earth because they can't control it. <clears throat> so let me finish right here. In Luke chapter 2... You remember the story, and I read it this week, but, but you can look at it later. It's the Christmas story, and it says this, you know, that Mary gave birth to Jesus. Remember, he was born out in the field in a manger, okay? In, it wasn't a barn, it was a cave, regardless of the picture that you see, okay? But he was out there. He wasn't in the inn. He wasn't in the city. He was born out in a place where nobody would have expected the glory of God to be. And then it says, and there were shepherds living in the fields. Watching their sheep by night. You have another picture of mundane shepherds. 
They had everything figured out. Their life had become their, their, I mean, their job had become their life and their identity. They were living the American dream. Everything under control. These were temple shepherds. They were watching the sheep that would be sacrificed in the temple. They were familiar with all the religion of their people. And they had everything under control. Mundane. You know, if you would have asked them when they shifted, I don't know if that job shifts. Here comes, finally, here comes the other shepherds. They're going to give us a break. No, this is the, this is the two to ten crew. And they come in. Well, what happened tonight? Yeah, nothing. Just sheep. Same, same thing. Same old, same old. We got it under control. Isn't that what a lot of people say about church? So what happened, what happened to our worship service Sunday? That's the same thing. Some people sang. He got up and rattled too long. We went and ate. Mundane. What's well, no big deal about God? Oh, man, did you hear about it? So-and-so? They said God did something over here. Hey, that's charismatic. You're getting crazy. Let's not, let's not move in that direction. You know what? We don't, we don't do that in our church. That can have like a heartbeat to it. We're dead. We're going to keep it dead mundane and then all of a sudden there was a breakthrough this is what i'm praying for for your life today a breakthrough so it was a breakthrough it was an angel as the bible said and the angel of the lord broke through the night shine light in the darkness and it said and the glory of the lord shone round about the shepherds think about this it wasn't the glory of the angel it's the glory of the lord and where did this glory come from this angel standing in the presence of god himself can you imagine that? We don't know who the angel was. You know, the Lord looking around, maybe it was just a nobody angel. It doesn't say it was Gabriel. We can assume all kinds of stuff. But maybe it was just nobody. Way back yonder in the back row of the worship service in heaven. And the Lord's like, hey, you. You back there. Hiding behind the computer in the sound booth. Kevin. Kevin's like, what? The angel looked at the Lord just like, Kevin looked at me. You don't got to come up here. Brother. But what did he do? Like, huh? Come up here. The closer he got to the thing. Don't miss this point. Closer he got to the Lord, more he shined. More he shined. More he's getting excited. He wasn't scared. He's been in God's presence all this time. He's like, yeah, Lord, I got something for you. What you got? I want you to go break through. I want you to freak these shepherds out. I want you to go down there. I want you to tell them the good news. I just sent my son. He's been born. He's a couple of hills over. Tell him to go see my glory. Can you imagine that? He's like, and he breaks through. He's like, calls his buddies. Come on, y'all watch this, y'all watch this. They go in there and all of a sudden, shepherds are just falling all over the place. They don't know what's going on. The glory of the Lord. And the angels tell them, behold, I bring you good news. Savior's been born. Go and find him. And you know, and all of a sudden it said, and then all of a sudden all of his buddies break through and they start shouting and praising God. They've been in the glory of the Lord. The glory, when you've been in the glory of the Lord, you glorify the Lord. And so here's what happened, you know. The, the shepherds, here's the key, and we'll get into this next week. But the shepherds, they said, let us go and see what's been made known to us tonight. They leave the sheep, they leave the mundane, they take off a couple of hills over, they hunt up, and walk in alive. This is it. It's just God as a baby. We're standing here looking at salvation. We're looking at a promise of 4,000 years of preaching and prophets and people giving their life for it and kingdoms and nations and everything. They just fall down before the Lord and they're worshiping. And all of a sudden they get up and what happens? They didn't just go back to the mundane. They went out and said they, they, they told everybody, went abroad telling everybody. Of what had been made known to them. Praising and glorifying the Lord. They went from mundane to losing it. 
Why? Because there was a breakthrough. One messenger who had been in the glory and the presence and the power of God came and shared the truth, the good news. Like, you can stay here with the sheep if you want to. If I was you, I'd move a couple of hills over. Now listen to him. Probably some people here upset this morning. Probably not, but maybe. Be upset. Please, by all means, go to God's Word and wrestle with that. Wrestle with the message this morning. Don't tell me what your daddy and your mama taught you or what your grandma and your grandpa taught you. Okay? Don't tell me what you think, feel, and believe or what church you've always been a part of. Go to the authority of the Scripture. Look at the God of the Bible and tell me how boring He is that you're not excited to share Him with the world. I challenge that. And if you're going to go, man, I, I would love to experience and see some of the things. Not that I'm talking about, but some of the things the Bible talks about. I mean, it is God. Is he really? Would he really show me himself? Would he really do some of the things in my life that I would see him in so much that somebody could stick a gun in my brain? I'm be laughing. I'm going, whatever, pull the trigger. Don't bother me. I know him. I've seen him. I'm ready. I said, man, I, I would like to see that. Will God? He will. He will. Don't tell me he can't. He will. But the problem is, you just need to, you just need to move a couple of hills over. You need to get out of the camp. Get out of the camp of the people who tell you he doesn't. Get out of the camp of the, of the, of the people who are in control, trying to control you. Get out of the camp of the world and the worldliness and trying to find life and everything dark and everything sinful and money and, and power and, and fame and all these stuff. If you just move away from that camp, go, you know what? I'm going to try just, I'm just going to try this. And I'm going to try to seek Jesus with all of my heart. Because he said, if I seek him, then I'll find him. And surely if I find him, I'll find his glory in all of these things that God's word says he does. Most of all, this is what I know. It's going to lead you to a mountain just like it led Moses to. Moses met on Mount Sinai. It's going to lead you to Mount Zion. Where Jesus himself left the camp went and hung on a tree, a tree that still speaks, a tree that will light a fire in your heart that will never go out. And you'll see the glory of the Lord in your life. You'll put your faith and trust in Christ. He'll save you, give you life. He is, and here's the thing, he is willing. See, how far, how far can we carry this? He's willing. I'm absolutely convinced that people in this room, in this room, a bunch of backwoods rednecks, in this room, sought God like that. We'd be seeing people going overseas preaching the gospel. We'd be seeing pulpits filled with preachers who are not afraid to speak the truth. We'd be seeing people who would be loved all over our community. We'd be seeing people who would go to their jobs and you would see the glory of the Lord being transformed in the oil field, in the railroad, in all them places. You go, God ain't there. He should be. We should be carrying him there. We would see a revival and we would become at church going, man, can you believe this? We're sitting here this morning, we haven't got time for him to talk too long because we're baptizing a hundred people that he didn't even lead to the Lord. I believe that can happen. I believe that he is. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? <coughs> Father God, I just thank you for loving us. And I thank you. Praying to the same God that Abraham prayed to. God, we pray to the same God that Moses prayed to. Father, we just come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, the name above all names. Lord, the name, when it's mentioned that demons flee, Lord, that diseases leave, 
God, I pray that I'm just going to be stupid enough to say for people in this crowd who are battling with sickness and disease, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would bring healing over every person, God, people who are in the hospital this morning who need hope. I believe your hope, God. I believe you can do anything according to your will. God, and we just pray that you would move in this place this morning and shake people. Someone here and they're lost. They don't hear your voice. They don't desire to see you. They don't desire to know you. They don't desire to be changed by you. Yet they hold on to some church experience. Lord, I pray that they would hear your voice today. And they would go and see this thing that's been made known unto them. God, I pray they would go to the hill of Calvary. Father, I just pray over your people that you'd revive us. Give us a new heart. Redeem us. Lord, raise us up. Let us not be a part of the naysayers talking about this nation falling. But God, let us be a foundation upon which it can be rebuilt. Lord, I just pray you'd raise up parents to raise up children who will raise up your name in public. God, just give us a heart of courage and obedience. I pray, Lord, that you would give us a heart that longs for your word and desires to see you. In Jesus' name, amen.